Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars discuss a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all and equipping especially for pastors or teachers working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm discipleship pastor for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is DJ Coleman. DJ Coleman is a uh, pastor and a professor of practical theology here also at Indiana Wesleyan University. He's a new professor here and a first time guest on the show. We got to know each other as he joined the faculty here at IWU. DJ has been a pastor in Georgia and in Texas and is a just lovely guy. And we had a great time for his first time on the show. He just fit right in like he's been on the show a thousand times. If you want to see what he's up to uh, out in the world, just uh, follow him at Twitter at DJ Coleman. That's DJ C-O-L-E-M-A-N 23. DJ Coleman 23 on Twitter. If you're enjoying the show today, we'd like you to let other people know about it because uh, word of mouth is the way the show gets around. So just uh, while you're listening, click the share button on your podcast player app of choice and you can pass the episode or the entire show off to a friend through a private message or promotion through social media or an email or however you work best and connect with your friends and family and colleagues. It'd be great to get the word out about the show. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text. You can find ways to become a patron saint of the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with DJ on Psalm 51. All right, well, let's jump in. Uh, We're looking at Psalm 51. You can read any translation you wish. Sure. I'll pray, share some initial observations, and then go on from there. Sounds good. Sounds good? Yep. All Psalm right. 51. I'm reading out of the NIV, and I'll start with the description that it has up there. For the director of music, a psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judged. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop. And I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks for your mercy for the mercy with which you invited the confession and contrition and repentance of David and so many others throughout the history of your covenant with your people Israel. Thank you that your mercy is not something you're stingy with, but generous with, that you have a generous mercy, that your mercy is is a grace, something you give away uh, with delight. And so, Father, We now pray that as we ponder this ancient penitential prayer 
that uh, we too would be um, inspired by your mercy and moved mm-hmm. by your grace to proclaim your word to whomever and wherever and whenever you so direct us. And what does he say? I'll teach transgressors your ways and offenders will come back to you. So Lord, as we ourselves confess our own sins and turn back, that we too would be agents of the turning of the ages. Mm-hmm. Pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Yeah. So DJ. Yeah. What do you notice here? What's uh, what's standing out to you? What do you... Man, well, I mean, first of all, Psalm 51 is just such a beautiful psalm, man. It, it just really is. And there's so many verses in here that, that a lot of us have put to memory. Mm-hmm. And obviously those jump out, you know, right off the bat. But the thing that sticks out to me, glaringly obvious, I, I, would, I would say, is the description talks about adultery with Bathsheba. <laughs> but then in verse 14, he says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. You are God, my Savior. There's no mention of adultery in this. Yeah. It's just odd to me. That's kind of something that sticks out to me. Obviously, there's uh, there's mention of, of sin in, in general, uh, and so that, that could be there. I find that odd when I open up Psalm 51. That's maybe some of the more odd things, and we could probably talk about that later, but... Obviously, it might be fun to start. It might be start, fun to start there. Though. Start there with the with the, the more missing. familiar psalm, right? Yeah, it, it is a familiar psalm. Well, there's at um, least two things that come to mind when you share that. Maybe yeah. you're thinking of both of these, or maybe you're thinking mm-hmm. of something else. But one is just the obvious fact that these inscriptions are most likely sure, later editions. Right. So you, exactly. So you think, okay, if we if these psalms come just like the the Torah, right? Because of Moses' role in the community, becomes right. to be. I mean, Moses is quite obviously the mediator of the laws that are right. codified in Torah. But the notion of the entire first five books as being authored by Moses is not asserted by those <laughs> right, books, right? Yeah, yeah, not at all. Um, Deuteronomy, sure, Leviticus, second half Exodus, sure. But right. he's a character in the stories. Right, you know, right. It would be like accidentally thinking Jesus wrote the Gospels. Right, right, right. right. Um, so no insult to that tradition, but sure. maybe a little bit. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, in the same way, David becomes to be associated with the Psalms over yeah, time, yeah. probably much after their composition, although he probably himself composed some of them. I'm fine with that. Yeah, but, sure. But the notion that over Tribute time – Yeah, so then you start yeah. going through his life and you're like, well, this, this big one incident fit here. fits yeah, perfect. It, 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 and this one fits exactly. real good in terms does. of the sinfulness. It, it does, you know. The other twist though is the big – even when Nathan, because it, it specifies not after the adultery, but after Nathan comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that scene where Nathan the prophet calls him out. Right. And the calling out is not just the adultery in the abstract. It's the taking her and then getting her husband killed right. on the front line. Right. Not right. that we're going to compare which sin is worse, murder right. or adultery. But <laughs> the point is, is yeah, like you said, the greed, the violence, yeah. the, the use of violence to take another man's. Right. Right. And he t- doesn't he tell a little parable of a man taking yeah, a little guy with lamb, all the sheep? Yeah. He has all this stuff. You yeah. Yeah. Right. You okay. have all this and he has nothing. And right. Oh, who is that yeah, man? I'll exactly. have him killed. Kill right? So him, right. when you put it in that scene, right. well, then the bloodshed really is mm-hmm. the, the linchpin the, in the story. Right. It's just odd that. But then where's the adultery? Yeah. Well, I mean, what? It's just the uh, description there, the Zitzenleben, it talks about adultery. It doesn't talk about the mm-hmm. greed or the, the violence or the bloodshed or Uriah. Um, yeah, you have to like bring that yeah. knowledge into right, it. Right, you do. Yeah, you're right. It's not there. So it creates a tension. Yeah, yeah. In but the text. That's, that's I like the tensions. I like yeah, the Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's something I kind of always think about when I think of Psalm 51 in addition to all the beautiful verses of God's mercy and mm-hmm. compassion and his love, his covenantal love that you know goes beyond the covenant when we find ourselves in sin. And um, so that, I mean, that jumps out, obviously. I love the, uh, the reference to spirit, you know, do mm. not cast me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit. Don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. A rare, you know, sighting in the, in the Psalms of the Holy Spirit of Old Testament, just the way it's mentioned there. If it just said, take your spirit from you, that, right. that would just be the life breath. Exactly. This highlighting of the Holy Spirit. That really right. is God's spirit that right. keeps us alive. Right. And, and so that sticks out. Gosh, so many of this. Restore to me the joy of 
your salvation and grant. Well, say more about that. What? Yeah, you your salvation. salvation. Yeah. You well, we talk about you know you lose your salvation. <laughs> I mean, and, as if it's mine. It's right. my thing. It's you know re- restore to me the joy of your salvation. This it's an act of God. You know of, yeah. of saving us, of rescuing us, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So I kind of think about the parable of the sower, um, or yeah, the sower where you have seed that falls on. I think it's the uh, the rocky paths, and it, it doesn't take yeah. root, and it, you know it springs up, but it doesn't take root, so it's not sustained. But the good soil, you have roots, and, and it sustains, and there's fruit that comes from that. Um, we need God's Spirit to sustain us in this life. And I think what the psalm is, is suggesting is we're born in sin. We're born in a world or an arena where sin is is expected and almost unavoidable. And so we need God's Holy Spirit to empower us and um, and to direct us so that we we can be sustained in, in a way that honors honors Him and keeps His commandments. Let's camp out on that yeah. that couplet for a second. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess turn your face away from me. I think in verse nine, mm-hmm. all my misdeeds wiped away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so forgiveness, mm-hmm. and then it takes this turn in a way in verse ten. Right. It's not just forgiveness; it's right. this full restoration. Yes, transform it, and then in verse showing my Wesley create. <laughs> You're not just getting forgiven. You're. Yeah. So there's a cre- and it's using this this verb of creation, right? right? It's Not the just- divine act of creation that only God can do. We're contributing this only to God. This is something I can't do on my own. God creating me a pure heart. I mean, it's almost it's also mm-hmm. the allusion to Ezekiel with you know the I think thirty six. You know, take from me a, a heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, a heart that can uh, respond to God. That's something that God can do. And then I guess you mm-hmm. go to Ezekiel thirty seven. Can these bones live? Only you know, God. <laughs> you know, this, know, this is something only you can do. And so God create in me a pure heart. And he says that, right? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That sounds like Ezekiel, a lot of that 36 and 37 language. Oh, that's really good. I like that. You're right. It is. Bar- I went and just yeah, was looking at it. it. Is. So it's this language mm-hmm. of, and it's this, obviously it's, this is a very covenant focused mm-hmm. psalm but you have that creation language right and even the spirit language is also right. very creation that's <laughs> yeah. the thing that keeps you alive the spirit that was hovering over tohu vavohu yeah that, that uh the ruach yeah. yeah and then that same ruach is what's breathed into the nostrils uh-huh. actually it's a different verb there but it comes in later so uh-huh. it's all right this uh yeah hovering over the chaos right and there's a kind of return to chaos that happens for an individual when they sin against the covenant. Yeah. They're still a creature, but in some <laughs> yeah. ways the covenant and the creation aren't totally separate right. realms. It's That chaos comes back. And yeah. it is a monster, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this chaos. Well, that back to your first observation about the bloodshed and the adult. It, that's part of the monstrosity or the chaos of it mm-hmm. is the, the way that sin mm-hmm. begets sin. Mm-hmm. Right? Because then another sin is committed to cover up the previous and it's just – it it's starts cycle. to unwind. Yep. Yeah. No, I, you see that in – you see Spirit three times, 10, 11, and 12, right Yeah, there. that's so what you, I wanted to talk to you about. So you yeah. see – yeah, I think you highlight that. Well, you know, in verse 10, you kind of see that transition, maybe even right at six. So the first five, tons of reference to sin. And then after that, you start seeing this forgiveness and this cleansing mm-hmm. motif that goes into the – those last three verses in uh, yeah, the, but yeah, the purifying and the mm-hmm. and the, the forgiving that starts in seven, mm-hmm. and then at ten a little bit of a shift to this full restoration. That's where that triplet of spirit. I never noticed that three references yeah. to spirit all back. Let's right. look at the adjectives real quick if sure. you want. Yeah, ten, eleven, twelve. So it's mm-hmm. firm. Well, what do you have in NIV? And then I'll just read it. Just yeah, or just yeah, what yeah. are the three? They each have an adjective in front of them. The spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten yeah. is. Uh, Steadfast spirit. Steadfast spirit. Holy spirit. Holy spirit. Willing spirit. Willing spirit. Yeah. Okay. Hebrew, what, is it? what you got there? Well, I mean, those are all just fine. I was just, I, right. I happen to have Robert Alters out here and it was a firm spirit. Same as mm-hmm. steadfast. He's mm-hmm. just trying to not make the sentence too long because Hebrew is so much more <laughs> curt right. that some of the mm-hmm. English terms kind of kill the poetry, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to pull it up. Holy well. spirit, obviously. 
and the noble spirit, which was interesting. But uh, I just was, I was just struck by that, that there's all these. So for, again, as, as modern Christian readers, it's hard to not miss the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit right. in verse 11. At the same time, the parallelism implies that these are in some sense all connected. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And in verse 11 is different from verse 10 and 12 in the sense that it's your spirit. And then it talks about my spirit. Well, here's verse- a bummer. I'm not sure that's in there. Okay, don't take. So, <laughs> I'm I'm, so, pull, I'm still pulling it up in the Hebrew here. Yeah, so, so that's interesting. This is this too so, far away to see up on the screen here. Yeah, man. Okay, I, sorry, I bro. See these glasses on me. You're okay. Here. You're okay. <laughs> so, so you're saying verse it's just eleven? Va, um, ruach. Now, every translation says your Holy Spirit. So it could be the the only tricky thing is it could be. Wa ruach. Thus, well, it the, could be the. It could be the Spirit the of spirit, your yeah. holiness. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's the same. Yeah. It, it's uh, just the, the um, cause when it on says the end. Your presence too. And the cause on the end. Yeah. So it is there. Yeah. It's just it wasn't. I think so. It would be. Do not cast me away. Yeah. Your Holy Spirit. That works. From your presence. No, there's a your. Then, yeah. It's just the. Emphasis. The your is attached to the adjective. So I missed mm-hmm. it. Okay. So, oops. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, well, all right. So the then point. It's there. The point. Your yeah. Holy Spirit. And then within me and sustain me. So mm-hmm. 10 and 12. I don't know. I mean, if is there a relationship between? I think there is something here with the spirit, though. Yes. And its involvement with us. So then the spirit of God is the one who brings firmness in verse 10. So create a pure heart in me. Don't just like cleanse this sin mm-hmm. but and make me just start over. I'm not just coming back to neutral. Right, right now. We want to recreate me in a, as we want a good positive yeah, we heart and then has a firmness of spirit, which would imply that the spirit's going to keep this going, sustaining right. it. Mm-hmm. Don't and take then, it away. Yeah. And then this holiness of spirit, which is connected to presence, mm-hmm. right? So keep me in your presence mm-hmm. and the willing spirit, the salvation that you're being restored to. Now is in the Hebrew there for 11 is presence. Peire. Is it like the same as face? Where's it's it? face. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in verse nine. Penne. Penne. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pani. Peire. Penne. Yeah. No, you're right. Who cares? Hide your face from my sins. And so it's, it's saying that again, yes. I guess you're seeing that. That's a good parallel. Yeah. So there's the positive is the, so the negative is always don't take me away from your face. Right. Which implies the positive of. Right. Keep me before your face. Right. You're talking about yourself, but then in verse nine, some your my sin. Mm-hmm. You see, oh, the, good. Yes. And so now it's, it's me. Right. It's now getting it's more me. personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the blot out. Doesn't he say that in verse of in one? Blot out my transgression, and then verse nine, blot out all my iniquity. And that's the same word used in Deuteronomy nine and uh, Exodus. Was it thirty two with the golden calf? Oh and, my! And um, it's like uh, Moses coming down from the mountain, and he's seeing all the Israelites, and God's like, "Hey, all right, leave me alone! I'm about to blot these people out." And and he talks about that, right? Where does he say? So verse nine, the blotting out. Yeah, verse blot nine, out all verse my iniquities. One. Yeah. Oh, I never studied that verb. That's powerful. Yeah, it's obliterate. It's it's a it is an intense word, and you see it. With wrath almost and, and when you're seeing them going after idolatry to blot out. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, though. And David or the psalmist deserves it, right? You see the, the breaking of the covenant. And that's why I was talking about God's love or his covenantal love, you know, going beyond the covenant. Because this almost implies the covenant being broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've broken the covenant don't blot me out. Forgive me according to your compassion, your in the uh, verse one where it says great compassion again, that's that tender mercies. And that's that maternal language, that maternal compassion. I need to be saved by grace is, mm-hmm. is to me the message of this psalm. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but get ahead. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, being saved by grace. I am in debt. And you're fully aware of it. It is in front of you. I'm fully aware of it. I need you to act. I need you to forgive me. And you do that. You delight in forgiving me. This is who you are. So forgive me according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Wash me. Cleanse me. 
I love this song. It's so <laughs> it's, good. It's so good. Well, we need this psalm. It's a yeah. needed psalm because we all mess up. Yeah. We all sin. We all fall short. And man, I think this is a good word for the people of God. And it, it's a beautiful psalm for us to um, to come to when we are in sin. And you know, if David, you know, prayed this or wrote this, he he definitely could have. You know, he yeah, needed to. Right he, in, yeah. he needed to several times in his life and. And I think we all do because we all feel crushed and we all want to hear joy and gladness that we see in verse eight there. Let me hear your joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. And we feel crushed sometimes. Yeah. And and so we need that. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, I I love that you love it so much. I do too. Let's take a quick break and come back and do some more interpreting. Sounds good. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm your host, John Drury, and we're looking at Psalm 51, and I'm here with DJ Coleman. Yeah. What'd you yeah. call it? The, the JD and DJ show? I like that. <laughs> yeah. Good. So we got Psalm 51. Let me read it again. So it's fresh in all our listeners' ears. It's for any listeners doing this like while they're washing dishes or right. taking a jog, they don't have the text out in front of them. Sure, so right, I like right. to reread it. That's so good. I've got a, this is a, from Robert Alter's translation that I've been mm. using this summer for the Psalms. So this won't sound like anything familiar. And that's part of what's fun about it. <laughs> right. Um, it's good. So here goes. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do some deep diving into certain places. So for the lead player, a David Psalm upon Nathan, the prophets coming to him when he had come to bed with Bathsheba, grant me grace, God, as befits your kindness with your great mercy, wipe out my crimes, thoroughly wash away my transgressions and cleanse me from my offense. For my crimes I know, and my offense is always before me. You alone have I offended, and what is evil in your eyes I have done. So you are just when you sentence, you are right when you judge. Look, in transgression was I conceived, and offense my mother spawned me. Look, you desired truth in what is hidden, in what is concealed make wisdom known to me. Purify me with a hyssop, that I may be clean. Wash me, that I may be whiter than snow. Let me hear gladness and joy. Let the bones that you crushed exalt. Avert your face from my offenses, and all my misdeeds wipe away. A pure heart create for me, God, and a firm spirit renew within me. Do not fling me from your presence. And your Holy Spirit take not from me. Give me back the gladness of your rescue, and with a noble spirit sustain me. Let me teach transgressors your ways, and offenders will come back to you. Save me from bloodshed, O God, God of my rescue. Let my tongue sing out your bounty. O Master, open my lips that my mouth may tell your praise. For you desire not that I should give sacrifice, burnt offering you greet not with pleasure. God sacrifices a broken spirit, a broken, crushed heart. God spurns not. Show goodness in your pleasure to Zion. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then shall you desire just sacrifices, burnt offering and whole offering. Then bulls will be offered upon your altar. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So in the break, you and I agreed we wanted to zoom in a little on verse Yeah. Four. So let's take a verse look. Verse 4. It's, it is a verse that sticks out to me, and I just I have a weird relationship with verse 4. It, it, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now, we might agree at the core, sin is an offense to God. It's a rejection. It's a revolt against his rule and his reign. But sin impacts way more, yeah. right? You couldn't read this to Bathsheba's mom and say, against you and, and only you have I sinned. You couldn't say that to Bathsheba's brother. It's or all an, of Uriah's family. Or Uriah's <laughs> family. Maybe they had kids. I mean, it's just there's there's so much there. 
against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And there's there's two things in verse four, but the first part, I just find that weird. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of odd. You know, only you um, have I sinned against. And I think um, that that's something that we we kind of look at and, and we, we make a theological statement about, you know, sin and how despicable it is to God. Yes, that's correct. But sin, there's consequences to sin. The mm-hmm. wages of sin is death against yourself, against others, community, the way people perceive you. The consequences of sin are uh, multifaceted. I mean, it's, and so that's just one thing I thought we could talk about for a little bit it. and yeah, discuss. So, okay. So <laughs> what I think might be the most helpful mm-hmm. to our listeners in taking this problem seriously. And it's only a problem if, as you and I both, like, we want to hear the scriptures and right. not tell the scriptures that we know better. Right. Yeah. No. And yet when we read it, we're like, that doesn't fit yeah. with everything, let's, other things we know from the scriptures. Let's talk about so it. So it's right. ten, And one possible way, and if you don't want to do this, we can do it quickly, but is to think about, so let, let me just back up for a second. One of the things that one of my mentors taught me in using commentaries, he's like, mm-hmm. how to, he studies assignments, commentary evaluations. We go to the library, you know, consult a couple commentaries and evaluate, like, mm-hmm. what do they do good? How were they helpful right. or not? Which sure. is a great assignment, by the sure, way, because yeah. it says that, oh, the commentaries are for me. Right. It's not for me to sit and right. obey them. They're there to right. help me. Right. They're like a lawyer. They work for you. <laughs> you don't have to ask the lawyer what to do. The <laughs> lawyer like gives you advice to help I you like work through the details of something. And he's, and one of his high values was a, your best commentaries are going to give you a range of interpretations. Mm-hmm. They're not going to just say, here's the one way to read it. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, here's four or five options. Here's, here's the one I choose and why, right. but leave those others on the table. Mm-hmm. And I'm inclined to do that today with you. I think that could be fun. Like, yeah. What are some options right. for how to kind of yeah. deal with this and maybe model for our listeners how to like consider just ways of interpreting? Right. So I'll throw out, let, let's maybe just take turns throwing out ways to quote, deal with this yeah, problem. Yeah, let's do it. Right. Yeah. So option one that came immediately to mind is just, well, it's, it's just hyperbole. Yeah. <laughs> and I think so. But I like to, I like to, well, that, that's yeah, one option, that's but then one. that creates other problems because then maybe there's some other lines in this same Psalm that we don't want to treat as hyperbole. Right. And who are we to judge which one's hyperbole, which not? So that's the problem with that option, even though it's, there's probably at least an element of truth in it. Sure. Um, but the moment you go down that road too much, right. then I'm picking and choosing which, which right. verse which is hyperbole which and which one's, one's not. not. Yeah. I guess and that's what, a problem. I guess what you're <laughs> asking is... Is this a theological truth? Like, is this a theological statement when we sin? Is it only against God? And I, I feel like I've heard it preached. Mm-hmm. When we sin, we've sinned against God and God alone. And that can then make us, and the problem, as you put it, is that can make us actually ignore the sociality of sin. The exactly. sin against one another, I, and I feel which like is where the sin's playing out, which is exactly, exactly. what God and demonstrates in his instruction. Right. In and so I think you're right, you know, with hyperbole. I think that's what that is. I just feel like I, I've that heard can't be preached. the only solution, though. We no, another one. So another what, one. What you, so you what? mentioned, obviously, so it's a problem if we think of it. I would imagine um, within the Davidic context that's given to us, mm. we're assuming that when we read that. So if it's not, let's say it's some other person who has killed somebody and is guilty of bloodshed, then if we know something about what this person is, you know, asking maybe for it makes a little more sense. It, in might, context. it may make more sense given you know, a different. I think context. in the context of murder, right, it has a certain ring of truth because the person's not there. <laughs> they're not. To they're not make restitution. Right. They're right? They're dead. <laughs> So I, I right. think that's a good second and, option. Is and to when, say, remember when Cain kills Abel, what happens yes. to that blood? It blood cries, cries out, out to God. God, right? And so, and there's then God, no way to make amends with Abel. No, you just got to figure out how to move forward. He's now. gone, right? And the consequences, though, again, are on the community's perception of Cain. Right? right. He needs a mark so he can go back out in the community. They think he's a murderer and all that. Well, he is. So that's one. That's one. Word. All right. Well, here's the third one. Here's the third okay. one. Okay. This is a prayer. Okay. And David's just wrong. <laughs> David's just He's wrong. saying, oh, it's all against He's, you. And dude. Nathan's over on the side going, oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> you sinned against a lot of other people, man. You know what, though? I like that one, too, because that's what we do when we pray. I mean, yeah. we're just speaking to God. I mean, and we're, we're talking to God. And, and, and I guess in that, you know, it's a prayer, not that just he's wrong, but if it's a prayer, 
it's addressed. But to there's God. there there can be mistakes in the Psalms without right. them ceasing to be revelation. Right, right, right. Because they're the revelation of the heart of the human, not right. just the revelation of the heart of right. God. Right. The way that you know you could say maybe if when God speaks mm-hmm. in the canon, mm-hmm. you know, you think canonically in Exodus, when mm-hmm. God's speaking, mm-hmm. right? Okay, He's revealing His own mind and heart. Sure. Right. But when a human speaks back to God, right? Canonically, the Psalms are the key moment of that. Right. That's revealing the heart of the human being. Correct. In all its complexity. Correct. Which means there may be there's a lot more self-serving statements in the Psalms than this one. Right. I mean, Absolutely. Like even a little bit later, like let me teach transgressors your ways. They're a little bit of a kind of, yeah, clean me up so I can go out yeah, and make yeah. everyone else right. Like, <laughs> right exactly. Oh, maybe we don't all need these... to rush to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that. And all good. the, you know, bring fire and brimstone down onto other people's stuff that mm-hmm. the Psalms are filled with and have more of actually than forgiveness requests. Right. Yeah. Well, there can be something self-serving mm-hmm. in a Psalm. And I think, you wouldn't want to like run with that too far. Cause again, how do you know, how do you test that? Right. But I think that's a third right. interpretive option. You got a fourth for us. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> I'm just, let's see. Just no, I like it. Yeah, it is. Um, I guess you have a sin. So what let's review. I'll review you. Ignore me while I review for our Go listeners ahead. and you can think yeah. about another way. So first was, it's just hyperbole. Just ignore it. Uh, <laughs> number two is maybe there's a context in which this could make more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the context of bloodshed where there's no one with which to, mm-hmm. to reconcile that mm-hmm. it really is between you and God. Once you, once blood's involved, mm-hmm. it's between you and God. Now a third is that there's actually something self-serving here. Their fourth possibility. I have at least one more in mind, but I'll, I'll give you, well, the, give you I, I don't know about, so maybe we'll go to that fourth one, but I've just noticed the last kind of phrase there, and I'm not, I don't have the Hebrew in front of me. It's okay. But that evil in your sight, that's mm. NIV, and then yours said evil in your eyes. Mm-hmm. I think about that statement at the end of the description of the kings, this king uh, reigned nine years and did this and uh, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Yes. So you think about David, king, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, that was just an interesting thing that kind of stuck out to me, this doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's definitely worth remembering that we usually <laughs> think of him on the good list. Right. That's that. a terrible list to be on. That's this a puts terrible him on that list. <laughs> this, you know what, though? It's a terrible list to be on, but he's not on that list. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. on that list. We don't think about David that way. And we and actually, can this do is him things, putting himself on that list. We can do things to put ourselves on the list, and God can do things to take us off oh. that list. Okay, That'll we, might have our, we might have our sermon ready to go. So <laughs> That'll let's, let's put a pin in that. Right. I will put that in at the fourth to say, the fourth move is to really locate it in the parallelism. Because you never can read a line of a mm-hmm. psalm without the line right after it or yeah. before it because of right. the parallelism. Right. So we should read the first line in, in view of the second. Okay. This is about your eye, in your eyes. I, right. am, I have now done evil in the sight of the Lord. Right. This is about his covenantal status. He's yeah. no longer deserving to be the king. Right. So this is really about me and you, God. And But it's not me and you in the private sense. Right. It's me and you in the sense of I'm the king. Right. I have a certain responsibility. Right. And actually, in some sense, this is both true and false at the same time. Mm-hmm. The king can only sin against God. In a sense. <laughs> yeah, because of hierarchy. That's and right. Ranks, right. So ranks, in a sense, yeah. he is God's representative and he's the people's representative to God and God's right. representative to the people. Headship. In a sense. Right. He can do whatever he wants. Now, he shouldn't do whatever he wants. He should be in line with God. So that's that's me riffing off yours is to – but when you see it as a couplet, which is always Mm -hmm. the key in psalm interpretation, Mm -hmm. the moment you're in the couplet, then that reference that you just made Mm -hmm. is very illuminating. Right. This is really about – Covenantal status. This is really about his his dynasty. Yeah. His dynasty. Mm-hmm. Can maybe could be cut off just like the guy before who didn't get a dynasty. Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So that's, a, I think, maybe a fourth read is to kind of locate this in that covenantal, you said federal headship, that's great, dynasty, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then verse four, I believe, so you are right in your verse, yeah, in Romans three, Paul uses mm-hmm. this verse, so you are right in your verdict and justify when you judge. Paul is condemning all of creation yeah. or all of humanity or as sinful. Which fits with the headship. Yeah. he gets in with Adam a couple chapters later, right? Federal Hudson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either yeah. in Christ or in Adam, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. In chapter five, yeah. 
So Absolutely. Paul kind of runs with mm-hmm, this, this read that you're presenting as option <laughs> yeah. four. Yeah. All right. I got two more. Okay. And maybe we've had enough. But the, Man, you're good doing... at coming up with these. I'm going well, to come up with, I'm gonna try to come up with one. Well, <laughs> yeah, you got you got, you got a little time. You got a minute yeah, while go I ahead, go. this I wanna, next one. I wanna so hear. this one, I don't buy this one, but I'll put it on the page. I'm going to put mm-hmm. on like my church father's hat for a second okay. and see how they would do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how would, how would Augustine or Gregory of Nyssa... What, whatever they would actually say. Augustine, what are some ideas? And Augustine comes up in verse 5, but go ahead. With, we, well, let's, maybe let's look at it. So a fifth read is to say, well, in a sense, all of our sins are sins against God, not because they're not. That's not an exclusive singular. Mm-hmm. God instead of others. Mm-hmm. It would be an inclusive singular, mm-hmm. meaning what is it that we sin against? And Augustine makes these moves. I don't know about it in Psalm 51, but when we sin against another person, we're sinning against the image of God in them. Mm-hmm. So it's actually the, as it were, the divinity that is in us all. This has, there's ways of doing this in a more, less Greek, more Hebrew way, which would be to talk about the divine spirit that was also in Bathsheba (laughs) that he was sinning against. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense in which the divine that is in us all by way of the image of God is what we're sinning against. It's the kind of holiness in all of us is, is the divinity in humanity. Yeah. I think that there would be, there's something, I mean, that's a little philosophical. I don't think right. it actually, I don't think it works as, as like strict exegesis, but as right. a kind of looser read, yeah. there's something sure. to that, especially because of course the image of God is not in us. That's not how Genesis talks. It's the other right. way around. Right. We're made in, in the, image. the image of God. Right. So I'm not sure how, but even that way it could still work in the sense of, like you said, the blood crying out, there's this sense in which, right. It's the divinity in the humanity that we sin against and to separate sin against God as a private matter and sins against each other yeah. socially is actually a mistake. It's all one thing. Right. I don't think that actually is a good enough solution, but I thought I'd throw it out. Well, to have yeah, a fifth I always read. think of image of God as more of a, of a task type thing with, you know, the exactly. temple imagery and all that. That's but, why it doesn't work. But <laughs> the whole children, we're, we're children of God. Mm. If you harm my child. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Woo-wee. I've you, sinned against you. You've sinned against me. Now, if I can, you're going to deal with me. So that let's say I did something against your, what's your oldest? These six, right? Jubilee. Yeah. If I did something to yeah. offend. Right. Well, in a way, when there are children, I don't always, you don't always run up and apologize to the kid. I come and talk to you. I you're say, I'm sorry. Me. You, you're coming up to me because I'm coming I have offended you. you. Right. And the word here could be translated offense, right. which is helpful. Right. In crime, um, you know, you see. Yeah. Word, yeah. I have offended you. Mm-hmm. And now you might need to combine this one with hyperbole for it to work. Right. To say, man, just, I've offended you. Just you, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, if, if you were to say, whoa, you mean you didn't offend my... Right. You know. Okay, that'd be silly. But the fact of the matter is, is you, it may be traumatic for that six-year-old for There's you to gonna, make me go right. college. You, right. This is between families. Right. And so as man to man, father to father, right. we have to sort it out. Mm-hmm. That's even, that's a kind of... That's a less philosophical version of what I yeah, said. Yeah, so more like patriarchal, more Hebrew, that, yeah. you know, that um, children of God, family of God type of. The sin is against you because these were two of your children, Bathsheba and. Right. And Uriah, of course, in that patriarchal David society, even. the offense was always against Uriah. Right. Adultery yeah, is not actually technically exactly. a sin against Bathsheba. Yeah. I, I hate to. Yeah, I don't, I don't I like looking at it so that way. Much, but you know, the text ain't going to make sense if we don't put it in that context. Right. And it's funny, we hadn't even mentioned Second Samuel yet. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if, and I obviously, I want to say the whole him not going to Bathsheba, him, you know, going to his mat and sleeping there, David trying to get him drunk. And mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. Um, he's not with his wife. I heard, and I don't know if this is true at all. This is, this is probably not true, but it's hypothesis. It's, you it's, can pitch it. It's not a divorce when you go after go off to war, but there's a separatedness from your wife. So if you die in battle, it's less offensive or something. Or there, there's, I, I can't remember her exactly. widow. Her widow yeah, status is it, different. It's, it's a can, different status. She can remarry as a virgin. Exactly. Almost. Okay. I can get it. I, yeah. I can't remember where her that I don't have it in front of me. Someone would need to look that up before they preach about it or something. But something about that. It may not have been adultery if he's off at war, if he's, you know, sometimes. And actually, of, the word adultery doesn't appear in the inscription. Exactly. Here. It's it, just went into, and which yeah, is a euphemism right. for. Now, we'd yeah. need to look in Second Samuel. Whether the word adultery is there. If the word is not there, the idea, obviously, is, is but there. For, the, for, the, but for modern persnickety, right. sex-obsessed 
uh, Christian subculture, right. we always focus on the adultery. Right. But in the narrative, it is not the center right. of the story. It's not, no. It's not the lust. It's no. not the sex. No. Not that there's no wrong there necessarily. Right. The, the big sin is the manipulation of his power to right. murder this to murder this to guy. murder, but to not even be at war in the first place. It, which right? Is, it's, right? Those are all he, combined. That's yeah, right. All of that. He's not. He's not. At and we war. can't help but just like and zoom the in on the sex. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. The author makes it very clear, though. It's he's supposed to be at war. He's he's, yep. he's doing this, and and then Nathan reinforces so and greed, sloth, greed, all of that, Violence. luxury, all of that. It's yeah. all combined. Right. No, I think that's very, very good. All of which then comes back on that, as we talk, that federal headship kind of thing. He's not the kind of king he's supposed to be. Right. And hence why the removal of the spirit is not just an abstract notion of being a creature or being a believer. That's what, that's what happened to Saul. He had I was the spirit just about to say, what Saul? about Saul? I was just about to that's say That's what he's terrified of. Right yeah. Now. He's seen this happen. He's Ooh, seen it don't down. take Don't take yeah. your spirit from me. Like, that's Saul. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's good. Well, I think we've got it like five, six interpretations of the running. Man, I think I had another one and I think I forgot it. Oh, man. Who cares? It'll come back. Dear listener, make up your last one. Yeah. It's probably the best one of all. But Right. Well, man, we've been going at it on this one verse, but through that lens, we kind of got into the whole narrative of this, of which is key, the, sac- the second Samuel, because mm-hmm. canonically that's where 51 is located. And so that sure. helps us fill out, again- you know, you can't completely resolve the fact right. that's a strange phrase, right. but, uh, but, uh, there are different ways of, of interpreting that. And I would avoid the one that just simply says sins against each other. The sociality of sins is irrelevant. It's all right. just about your, right. your personal kind of heart, uh, status. Oh, right. that was the last one I just thought of. Go ahead. Let's, let's hear back. it. Let's hear it. If you keep reading, there's a, there's some stuff about like the hidden truth in verse six. Okay. Or the way that your offense is always before you, verse three. Mm-hmm. He managed to keep this sin a secret. He used his ingenuity, okay, as a leader, right? That he's used for the good of the community before, right. and now in his sloth and uh-huh. and luxury, right, and excess, he's now leveraging his human wisdom mm-hmm. to manipulate the circumstance so that he got away with it. And he did get away with it until Nathan came. Remember, the key is right. the Nathan moment here. Yeah. He got away with it. But guess what? God saw it. God knows. And that's why the, you alone have I offended, coupled with what is evil in your sight I have done. In other words, I haven't offended anyone else. I pulled it off. Right. <laughs> I committed no crime. Right. Because I pulled it off to where there was no crime. I manipulated circumstances. I didn't yeah. even directly kill your eye out there. I just sent him to the right. front. Right. He, he kind of man, managed to, in, some, in a certain... He pulled it off. He pulled he, it off. He got away with it. So the against you only is basically like, You're but right. there's one person that right. I didn't pull it off with. I didn't... Man. Man. You know how you can kind of technically not sin, That's but good. it's still a sin, right. but only God knows it was still a sin? That's good, man. I think that would be one option, yeah, too. Yeah, I like that one. Like well, that. we've been I, going at it on this verse. We need to we yeah, take a break and explore yeah. some sermon starters. All right. Yeah, is that, that good? That, I like that. Yeah, that'd be All great. Right. Well, we'll take a quick mm-hmm. break and be right back. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, DJ Coleman. Yeah. And first time on the <laughs> show, but it's like you've been here like... It's fun, man. You're I'm just, enjoying you're it. You're in it man. right away. Grooving. I love it. Fresh text. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So uh, let's explore some sermon starters. If you were uh, you were preaching this week on Psalm 51, where would you go? You can't dump every exegetical idea into a sermon, right? right. So what would be your focus and how would you go about developing it? Again, we're, you're not expected to have a fully cooked sure. sermon after an hour of discussion, but right. where might you go and what might you recommend to others? Man, the first thing, you know, reading Psalm 51 is it gives you a lot for one. Yeah. And uh, this is so relatable. It's so needed for for us as followers of Jesus. We all mess up. That is so true. We all mess up. We all sin. And, and sometimes we have hideous sin in our life, evil, wicked sin in our life. That would be on, on my mind when I'm preaching this. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you have sinned? Because maybe David, a secret sin that's been exposed. Secret sin, secret sin that ha- that has been exposed. Maybe it hasn't, and you're sitting mm. in the congregation, and you you know it, and God knows it, and you uh, got away with it. <laughs> you know, we have we hadn't talked about this, but it, it, this passage ends with 
sacrifice and worship in mm-hmm. this imagery of Zion and Jerusalem. And it's difficult to sit in church when you you have sin in your life that, that you know about and maybe someone else has found out about. It's difficult to sit there in church and um, maybe voicing some of that discomfort for the congregation, voicing that, but talking about God's mercy, talking about God's mercy. Paul was enamored with God's mercy. He knew about God's mercy. And I like to boast about God's mercy. I know God's mercy because I've experienced God's mercy. And I keep saying it that way because you see that in the psalm. As followers of Jesus, we we have got to be people that talk about God's mercy. And so you see that in the psalm. I would probably want to go there um, as a sermon started. That, that would probably be the first thing and kind of give a map uh, for confession and prayer and what does that look like? I mean, Psalm 51, I'm a youth pastor. That's, you know, that's, that's what I do. Psalm 51 is that prayer at camp when mm. you're there at the altar. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I have sinned, right? That, that is that prayer. And so revisiting that prayer. And I think David does this or the psalmist does this when, when they talk about restore to me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation, right? My salvation. When we first started following Jesus, mm. you know, that, that prayer that we prayed or for however that looked, when we were open to the reality of the family of God and the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and we're invited into that reality, we need to remember that moment. We need to remember our testimony. I think the psalm does that, right? That that moment. And again, that moment leads to several other moments. But I think that would be somewhere I would like to go with, with this if I were preaching. And when he mentions the, you know, let me teach transgressors your ways and offenser, offenders will come back to you in verse 13. I mean, that's an implied kind of testimony. Like, right. I can, if you forgive me, I'll be able to tell other people right. that, that mercy is available to them too. What's interesting, something I would... I would might explore doing this with what the the psalm is thinking about Paul. I mean, if if you think about Paul, and especially with this guilt of bloodshed, there's several different allusions that can be made uh, to his life. But in Acts chapter eight, when you have the stoning of Stephen, Paul is is giving consent, mm-hmm. and he says that in Galatians chapter one, uh, thirteen and fourteen, and um, Paul is telling the church in Galatia of his former way of life and how he intensely, and that word there is actually hyperbole, <laughs> intensely persecuted the church. In 1 Corinthians 15, and he talks about being the least of apostles. One of the reasons he's the least of apostles is because he persecuted the church. He lists that there. And Flip- maybe Philippians 3, having said, according to the law, blameless, that yeah. perhaps yeah. he wasn't actually a pretty bad sinner otherwise. it was This was the biggie this for was, Paul. This was the biggie. The- he's not obsessed with all these secret sins in your mm-hmm. heart the way we sometimes read Paul right. in the modern yeah, West. Right. That was the big sin that was the- weighed on him, the he- way this one weighed on David. You look through Acts and and some of the writings of Paul. I really feel like Paul couldn't get that out of his mind. I agree. He he persecuted the church. And I think it's part of the argument in Romans is in terms of his own personal experience Mm -hmm. is like the way he shows like, you know, chapter one, all the Gentiles, how sinful they are. And it turns around to the chapter two Mm -hmm. to faithful followers of the law that Mm -hmm. they're sinners too. Right. I mean, his own experience (laughs) is that he's like, I was like doing it all correctly right. and was still centered and not because I was all self-righteous and stuff that, mm-hmm. yeah, but it was specifically that I used my own mm-hmm. fidelity to the gospel to execute bloodshed. Right. And the that, that, bloodshed. that blood cries out. Right. Cause those turns out those were God's people too. Right. Yeah. And then you were talking about um, this uh, teaching transgressors with Paul, with the spirit in this second um, Corinthians five, mm. When you're reconciled, you're given or tasked with this ministry of reconciliation. And so you see that in verse 13. And so I think I might, you know, if I was preaching a sermon, Mm -hmm. that would be an idea I would have, whether it would happen or not, would be exploring and looking at Paul. But that that would be fun. I don't know if I'd do it or not. It would be a fun little exercise. I love it. Well, you just explore it. And a lot of times with sermon prep, you know, you'll go down a rabbit trail for right. a couple hours and it doesn't end up in that yeah, sermon. But yeah, sometimes no ends up in another that. one three years, three right. weeks or three years later. Right. So nothing's wasted. Right. Nothing's wasted. No, never, man. Never. So I had so, a sermon idea. So yeah. you pitch yours, you I'll pitch mine. Yeah, what you got? Wrap. Yeah. This one's terrible. 
but it's a, it's a starter, something to play with. Mm-hmm. That triple spirit yeah. in 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. we failed to mention this when we were zoomed in on that, which was nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And then broken spirit in 17. Man, so I, I wonder about a three point sermon yeah. You know, yeah. that hides that last one though. I would actually use the fact yeah. that it's not next to them. Okay. And really just develop each of those. So I have a couple different ways I write a sermon. Usually my best sermons are, I have a kind of single idea, mm-hmm. 10 word hook, gotcha. build everything around that. Those are my yeah. good. Those yeah, are my yeah, best yeah. ones. But I'm not always at my best. The rest <laughs> of my sermons, I kind of have the points, the meat. And then I figure out, okay, what's the string that holds these pearls together and find right. a good introduction and conclusion. Okay. Those are my solid, but not amazing sermons. Mm-hmm. And this, this would be in that category. <laughs> this, is, this isn't potential of a great sermon, right. but a, a solid sermon could come out of like just really zooming in on 10, 11, 12. And it helps that there is a song, you know, create in me a clean heart. Oh God. And renew a right spirit with, I, I got to sing it. Cause I, I, you know how you like, can't remember right. if you just create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, it's from the 90s, classic me. But, okay. And renew a right spirit within me. And then the, the you repeat that and then cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me, that must be King James, the joy of thy salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Mm. So... Because that's, I mean, songs can bypass the intellect. Songs can get in your heart. Right. Like you basically can exegete the song. It's just those three Mm -hmm. verses. Mm -hmm. You could sing that song during the worship set, maybe after as response. But to really like explore each of those three spirit references and what they mean. And I mean, this is cheesy as all get out, but I see three P's even. I hate that. Oh, hate no, no, I love I those, hate, man. Well, I like, I like, an ac- oh, I like no. acronyms better because it's hard to, whenever I hear a sermon with three, three with zone or another, three words, uh-huh. three words with the same letter, I like, oh, it's covenant creation and some other thing. It starts oh, well, it with can't C, be, you know? It can't be like that. It's gotta be, it's gotta be better than that, but yeah. But, but this is the beginnings. Sometimes I'll have them like that in my notes and then I'll find a way to change it to make it more memorable, right? Okay. What you got? But it was, it was purity, okay. the first one, presence, mm. the second one, and then perseverance, the third one, because of the sustaining. Mm. So good. I got to be pure. I can't be filled with this sin. You got to cleanse me. That's yeah. picking up with the previous lines. Right. But then not just make me pure and send me away, but keep me in your presence, that Holy yeah. Spirit that doesn't fling me from your presence. And then persevere me as I move forward. Right. The joy of your salvation and a, a you know a willing, right, noble spirit that sustains me. Give me something to make this keep going. Right. Again, I might have different words as right. I develop it. Right. And then the twist at the end would just say, ah, but there's one more. Mm. And that's that broken spirit. You can't ask for any of these things. You can't sing this song. So I'm not mm. adding a line to the song. You sing the song. You sing that song with a broken, broken spirit. Gosh. A spirit that says these things aren't owed to me. Right. These things are not my possessions. These are not my property right these are not things i cling to right right these are things i beg for you know so that would be the little that would be the kicker yeah so man i love that so that's the beginnings of a sermon Mm. i love yours too playing with paul exploring on what does it look like to practice uh penitence yeah what's i don't know why i can't remember so romans 12 1 the the in view of god mercies yes present your so I love it. So yourself as living sacrifice. That yeah, seems straight out of this. In view of God's mercy. I feel like people skip past that. But to me, I think the fulcrum or the the climax of Rome, I, I shouldn't say that, but Romans 12, I feel like there's a pivot. So Yeah, that's the turning point. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So chapters 1 yeah, the through 11. climax is 9 to 11. Yeah. The argument. Climax yes. is there. And then there's this turning point. In view of God's mercy. Well, in view, I'm thinking about chapters 1 through 3 with this universal sin, 4 and 5. You know, thinking about Abraham, then then the federal headship we mentioned, 6, 7, and 8 with this grace. You know, can't live in sin if there is no sin, you know, our condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, um, 9 through 11. We discussed that. But then verse 12, that is that is God's mercy. So mm-hmm. in view of God's mercy, present yourself as a living sacrifice. I think that's what a is happening. contrite yeah. spirit. That's the spirit he's looking for. That is that is it. And you see that. Have mercy on me. This is in view. This is God's mercy. 
And so I think that those those are some things that we you can look at. There is another thing though this uh, this joy and this worship. Verse eight, joy and gladness, um, and then verse fourteen, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. My mouth will declare your praises in verse 15 and then verses 18 and 19, this priority of... Yeah, my morning liturgy, I have that in it every day. Oh, yeah. Lord, open my lips. Oh, my I mouth shall proclaim your praise. I mean, oh, that's I the ancient... Uh, yeah. The medieval monks used that to break their silence yes. every day. The lips have been closed. Oh, oh Lord, open our lips. Yeah. This is a really worshipful it song. Is. We haven't focused on it's that It's a today, very but. worshipful, the praise. And, and to me, you know, I, I noticed in the Greek... Charis, grace, and kara, joy, the same root. Mm-hmm. I think there's a relationship. Charisma, gift. Yes. They're all gift. charis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think joy is the natural response to grace. Grace begets joy. Yes. Yeah. It does. And that, and if, if we understand grace as a gift, it makes sense. When you get a gift, there's joy involved. And the gift of God's mercy, the gift of God's grace produces joy it produces worship joy, the lord is my strength it is restore and, under me the joy of your salvation I mean, yes. that's a sermon right there that's a that's another thing i'll do sometimes just have a title and yeah. then see how see where yeah we're yeah yeah absolutely the joy of your salvation right what let phrase. the bones you have crushed rejoice <laughs> that's a third whole sermon really yeah, centers so on worship worship and praise the joy of joy. grace there's another yes. title joy the joy of grace Right. And th- and that's what David does. I mean, a little bit later on, I mean, he's he's fasting, he's praying for this child uh, of him and Bathsheba right. to live and the child dies and he eats and the observers are why is he eating? Yeah. Why why and but he worships is is the thing that he does right after that. And I I find that interesting as well. <laughs> you know, and obviously we understand worship could look very, you know, very different, but that's what David does. And when we think of David, we think of someone who worships and who, yeah. And so I think there's that famous there's some line there. that he's a man after God's own heart, yeah. but he never tells us what, what that means. We're what just that supposed means, to look, what that looks and like. And maybe that's you know? one of the things it's, right. he has the joy of the Lord deep in his heart. I think he does. And I think he does. He's a deeply flawed individual. And you wonder if that joy, joy that he's tasted and anticipates the joy doesn't just come after the receiving the grace. It's that he has the joy of the Lord enough to motivate him mm-hmm. to risk asking for mercy. Yeah. You know, like he knows that that's, this is the only real path to joy mm-hmm. is to actually be contrite, yeah. to actually have that broken heart. Right. That if he just tries to fake it and. Well, he has that. Bro- he has yeah. that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's the thing, man. I think that's a good question for us as followers of Jesus to ponder do we have that? Hmm. If we don't, we can go to God and ask God, I want to be broken when I sin. I want that. Yeah. yeah I have a, a little list of like things that me and a friend of, and a friend of ours, we always send when we are kind of, when we're out of touch, the joy of the Lord, right? It's mm-hmm. in desolation is, mm-hmm. is the term we use from Ignatius. And we have this list of eight things, checklists that we go through mm-hmm. and, you know, to kind of help how to get through that time of, of constellation when that joy mm. is, is, is absent in the heart, as it does. Right. And in step four, there's this it's consider proximate causes mm. is the shorthand. And it's three proximate causes to consider because the ultimate cause is God is moving and you can't and it sometimes it doesn't feel joyful. Right. You can't control that. Right? right. But then within there are things that I can mm-hmm. I can cooperate or resist God's grace, of course. And it's consider logistical, psychological, or moral obstacles wow. to joy. Okay. And the first is, this is just me riffing off what yeah. you said. I just <laughs> thought I'd share it from the heart for what it's worth. So logistical, like, am I just staying up too late? Like, that's okay, not a sin. Right, like, right. or why am I falling asleep in prayer? Why do I not enjoy being with God? <laughs> well, maybe I'm just too busy. Maybe I'm overcommitted. Right. It's just a logistical problem. Right. Don't call that a sin. Right address it. Sure. That's, this is step four. There's some earlier steps to get you in the right place. To right. Think straight, but the second obstacle is psychological. Like maybe I'm depressed because I, you know, need to go see counselor. Maybe mm-hmm. I haven't been taking my meds. Maybe I'm, right. you know what I mean? Right. There are, those are factors too. Sure. But then the third factor is the moral. Is there unconfessed sin? Right. Cause if I have unconfessed sin, I will lose the joy of the Lord. It just will happen. Right. If you let it stick there too right. long, you just can't have that true joy. Right. 
when sin goes unconfessed. Sure. And I bring that up just as a no. confirmation from my own life for, from what you're saying that that joy of the Lord, the only way into it is that broken spirit. Right. That joy of the Lord will always be absent mm. if we, you know, you'll have a fun experience here and there, but a right. really sustaining joy. Right. We enter into that through contrition mm-hmm. and acknowledging our failing. Right. And in view of these mercies, throwing ourselves on the mercy of God, that's right. where the joy comes. Not from my, me getting it right all the time myself right. in my own power. Right. I think that's good, man. I love that. Well, thanks, DJ. This was a blast. I've enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. You're a killer guest. Hope I'll be back, man. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. <laughs> Well, let me just say thanks, of course, just to DJ there, but thanks uh, to uh, Todd for all his production work. Can't imagine doing this show without you, Todd. Uh, Eric and, and uh, some of his behind the scenes that he's done, his strategic work. And Tom, thanks for the theme music. Appreciate you guys so much. Thanks. Great team behind the scenes. Thanks uh, to all our listeners, but especially our uh, supporters of the show. If you'd like to become a uh, supporter of the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text. And you can see ways to support the show. I don't see a penny of that. I have a day job. That's for my behind the scenes team, especially Todd uh, for all the work they do to make this uh, sound good in your ears and be ready for you every Monday. So I guess with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.